0: welcome to this week's episode of gin and barrett i am your host meg as always and this week i was joined by alex he runs the instagram account at cocktail creation uk he is extremely well versed in drinks the photos of his cocktails on instagram are absolutely beautiful and i do think that he is he has much better taste in alcohol than i did when i was 21 It was really nice chatting to him. The only heads up that I will give is that we had a couple technical difficulties recording over Skype. This is just the reality that we live in during the pandemic. So there is one point in the conversation where I just kind of randomly jump and move on and also less than halfway through the audio on my side goes from quite good to quite crappy and never really goes back to being good so I apologize for the technological difficulties however I really enjoyed speaking to Alex and I hope you guys enjoy listening. Hi Alex welcome and thank you for joining this week's episode of Gin and Beer It. For those of you who aren't aware Alex is the owner operator of the Instagram account at cocktail creation UK, which has taken off quite massively. If I do say so myself Uh, this year, I have been following him quite avidly during lockdown and the entire account is dedicated to cocktail creations. So thanks for joining Alex. Do you want to tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into creating the account?
1: Uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm a 21 year old uh, who likes alcohol and drinking <laughs> good drinks um, and experimenting with different flavors and seeing if I put something together, then will it work? And more often than not, no. So um, I, I think it's I think mainly my account's based on experimenting with what works and trying to make new things as well as going on with the classics and seeing how to make them better if, you, if possible at all. So,
0: Yeah, that's great. So before we started recording, we were kind of chatting and you said that you started the Instagram account in January, but you said that you've been into making drinks for about a year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was there anything in particular that sparked you getting into mixology and making drinks or have you always kind of enjoyed it? And last year was when you kind of just started actually making them.
1: Well, it's a funny story. I kind of it never really was meant to be making drinks. Like I I've always been a fan of baking and cooking and that sort of thing. And it kind of just, as I grew up a bit moved more to, Oh, what can I drink at the same time while doing it? And then it kind of just moved on from there to doing things and then taking photos. And it never really intended to become a cocktail account on Instagram because then I did, I, I, well, I'll go into why I kind of started posting was only because I just wanted a place to see my photos and see what cocktails I'd made and not made. And then it started getting some recognition and, and now we're here, right? So.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And I definitely, I mean, so so is that, that's basically why you started the account in the first place because you it was more of like a personal journal for yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was more of a uh, kind of a, Oh, I'll do this and if people like looking at them, they can like looking at them, but it's was never necessarily intended to like when I first started my account it never I never saw it growing. Um especially the amount it has recently and it was weird because I almost wasn't prepared for it. I was as you said, it was more of a personal a personal blog if that makes sense. But like yeah. just so I could see certain things and compare what I've done to other people and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, not, neither my personal account nor my gin and beer account have 2000 followers at the minute, but that's how that's <laughs> kind of always been my approach to social media kind of in general is it actually is more for me, um, you know, like the Facebook yeah. functionality where you can look back on memories and see what you posted on the same day, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the, in the years past, like the, I've always really enjoyed that. So, um, that's kind of why I post and, and same as you, like if other people end up enjoying that, then that's kind of an added bonus.
1: Yeah. And I, I think kind of my aim at it all is always kind of just not to put too much pressure on myself. Um, I have a schedule, well, technically a schedule, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday for when I post photos. But if I don't have a photo for Wednesday, then it is what it is. Like I've almost, I've got in the mindset now where if I put too much pressure on myself, I just have to stop and sit back because I, I'm quite an anxious person anyway. And I, I don't want something that's meant to be fun for me to start overtaking certain things anyway. I so completely, I,
0: think, I think completely understand really that. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that, that's how I felt about this podcast. It's probably maybe not something that I should even admit on the podcast itself, but um, it's the same for me. I mean, I, you know, the biggest schedule that I, I tend to try to stick to is that my, my episodes come out on Sunday nights. And I also try to supplement that with yeah. posts on Instagram and stuff like that. But it is, um, I agree with you that, you know, and one of the things that I found is that it was really easy to stick to that sort of schedule when we were in lockdown. And let's be honest, none of us really had yeah. lives unless we were an essential worker. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was easy to stick. And I've just found that even just in, in the UK, being able to go out to pubs and restaurants since um, early July has, has drastically changed like the amount of time that I've been able to set aside for the podcast. Um, Not that it's, it's absolutely still a priority for me, but I agree with you. Like we set out to do these things because they're meant to be fun. So as soon as they stop being fun, you kind of have to have to take a step back. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that I, really admire about your count and also semi envy is um the photography and how you you set up first of all you're extremely consistent in the photos of all of your cocktails um so it obviously makes for like a really beautiful instagram grid um they're really well lit they also just display very well like what's actually you know physically attractive about the drinks themselves because drinks just vary so much. So how did you, like, were you into photography before you started the account or did you kind of teach yourself for the purpose of drink photography? How did you get into it?
1: Well, I mean, again, uh, you know, I'll probably end up saying this quite a lot throughout the podcast, but funny story because I did, I technically, I've got an A level in uh, photography Um But I don't do my own photography. Um, My girlfriend does my photography. Um, I live with my girlfriend and I've got a very slight shake. Um, So I kind of rely solely on tripods when I do it. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of just naturally, as I said, even from when it was just blogged for myself, it was her taking the photos. So that's kind of just continued. So unfortunately, I wish I could.
0: I can't (laughs) take
1: all the credit for it because... I've tried on occasion. It's one of those things that it just, it doesn't always quite look the same as you commented on earlier. Like, like we pride ourselves on getting photos that look almost identical with a background or almost identical with how the product is positioned or et cetera. And I do make all the drinks and we do kind of each other when it comes to garnishing the drink but again i can't take all the credit for the photography unfortunately i wish i could
0: oh well compliments to your girlfriend she does an amazing job and i i mean yeah. I, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry about you know whether you need to take all the credit or not because like if the, that's another thing if the podcast or any sort of passion project project if it's taught me anything it's that like, there's nothing is like a one man one woman job um you yeah, know like i <clears throat> you know i produce and edit and post and manage my own podcast but I wouldn't be able to do it without you and without all of my guests and friends that I yeah. bribe to come on it and stuff like that so no matter what anyone does it requires other people to help but that's that's great that you have such a talented girlfriend um yeah
1: I mean oh she's gonna love that
0: but um, <laughs> I, I think
1: it's I think it's uh one of those things that kind of just genuinely as you said earlier in, in the eyes of consistency kind of kind of always has been that way and it's never really changed like it's just generally been I've never even really thought oh yeah I can take the photos now because why would I do it if it's working like don't fix it if it's not broken so
0: yeah no I totally I totally understand that and actually kind of off the back of the photos I'm curious because i Obviously recently I have, like I I was telling you before we started recording that I've really, I've always been a drinking enthusiast, but I've really gotten into cocktail making in particular since we were, have been in lockdown during the pandemic. And obviously when you are making really delicious drinks, it it is nice to snap a picture and, and show off what you've created. And that's something that I've really struggled with is, um, is is the drink photography? I will say I think I've gotten a little bit better um, with time. Oh yeah, time. definitely great. But I was when I was really like, oh my gosh, I need to step up my game. I was watching a YouTube video, and I I I can't even give credit to who it was because I I can't remember. I watched so many, but there was this one woman photographer who did a whole video on photographing drinks, and a lot of the advice that she had. It really seemed like, at least in her case, she was not drinking the drinks that she was making because she, you know, for whatever, like a certain way that she needed the light to be, she might need to kind of fake things or use some weird garnish or in some of them, like, if she wanted to have condensation on the glass, she was doing this weird thing to the glass to like create the look of condensation because condensation is notoriously hard to photograph. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, it was, it was very intense. It was, kind of far more than I cared to get into but I the only reason why I brought yeah. that up is because are right, so those drinks that you and your girlfriend are photographing and posting on Instagram are you after you photograph that drink are you just picking it up and enjoying it yourself or handing it to your girlfriend like are you guys actually just drinking that beverage oh 100% yeah <laughs>
1: I think it kind of almost goes into what we're saying about the passion project like it part of it is enjoying nice drinks as well and Enjoying something that you've created and something that you've made. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's within <laughs> a couple of minutes or so of it being done, we'll share it and give each other some thoughts or what we think about it and what could have been better and that sort of thing. So again, it's all kind of, oh, it's always how could you get better? Like, yes, it's a passion project, but you kind of always want to look to get better in, like, whether that be in the photos or editing or the taste of the drink, even, but I don't know. I think it's always been one of those things that's kind of we we, we have a, again. I don't want to repeat myself, but it goes into the enjoyment of it as well. Because if you're not drinking the drink, then you're not enjoying it, in my opinion. Like.
0: No, and I'm really – I'm glad to hear you say that because that that was one of the – and again, like this woman was, was like a professional photographer, so I can understand how yeah. the drinking aspect of it might not have been her priority. And I, I actually think she might have yeah. even mentioned in the video that she's not a drinker. But um, for me, and that, I mean, that's that actually – yeah, and I – because I do um, – I do – like Instagram TV tutorials that I usually yeah, yeah. release on Thursdays. And some of the time when you yeah. said like, oh, if I miss a Wednesday or something like that, some of the times where I've missed a Thursday, it's been simply because earlier that week, I didn't really fancy like making a drink or I just didn't have the timer for whatever reason. Because when I make those videos, I'm actually planning on drinking that drink. Moving on, um, before we started recording, think- you mentioned how you one of your passions with um, cocktail making is is just experimenting with making new cocktails and and you alluded that sometimes they they taste absolutely rubbish so what that is something I'm super interested in because I have tried maybe two or three times to just make cocktails completely just from my own brain and they have been absolutely disgusting (laughs) Um, so I'd love I'd love to know like your experiences with that and if you have any tips for me or for anyone who's looking to actually come up with their own you know bespoke cocktails but is just is struggling on their own
1: yeah. uh, Paul I think the best advice I could give anyone and this is what I've said to my friends as well if they wanted to try and make drinks or anything it's you kind of just and this is going to be rubbish advice but know what you like and learn kind of Imagine uh, cocktail making like baking. If you have a certain base, it will work. Like If you know what sort of base, example being, say, if you were to make like a mojito, you'd use your rum, but you'd use 60 milliliters, you'd use your handful of mint, would be another 10 liters or so, 30 milliliters of lime, and then 15 milliliters of sugar or a sugar cube and just kind of switch them up and see what happens. Like if, say if you swap the rum for a darker rum, or if you swap the, even if you swap the rum for a gin and then swap the lemon for a lime, and then there you go. You've almost got a new cocktail. I mean, that, I think that's might be an East side cocktail, but like, it's kind of just like that. You kind of just need to play around. Like, and I know that's really bad advice in a sense, because it doesn't really help, but like follow recipes, but don't stick, Follow recipes, that do it how you want. In a way, that's kind of how I put it. It's kind of I'm really bad at explaining it because it's a really complex thing. Kind of because I've I've put without wanting to sound like a bit of a nerd, but I've put so many hours, like hundreds of hours, into learning classic cocktails, and then from there I've kind of just gone on and adapted those classic cocktails in different ways by adding different amounts of sugar, different types of sugar, different types of run different types of spirit and once you learn the basics, you can do anything really <laughs> like
0: no i don't i don't think that's bad advice at all i think that i think you're totally right and i think that any you know i think bartenders who've been working in the or mixologists who've been working in the industry for 30 years would say the same, same thing like you take the the foundation of the drinks that you know and love and then you just put your own spin on it so i yeah you know, exactly i, I, think I mean that's 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 <laughs>
1: yeah i mean it, it's i think when it goes into learning and not and going away from those foundations and doing different kind of styles of things like, it kind of then is up to you if you make a drink that you like then you've succeeded a lot of the time like even if that drink is completely unbalanced and is very sweet and there's no sour on it, you can barely taste the spirit you've made a drink that you like and i think in going back to the whole vein of this so far the passion project like that's the important thing really because if again again i don't want to make it too trivial but like if you enjoy it then why would you stop doing it (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely no I, i completely agree i i took a wine course in my final year of uni um and the the instructor said that good wine is wine that you think tastes good <laughs> that's that's about it yeah yeah um it doesn't have to be some I, I th- I think, crazy vintage
1: <clears throat> yeah like i've kind of i'm when i started to try to learn cocktails and even just trying to learn how to do it as a general and learn how to shake and that sort of thing well i most of my time i am self-taught but i do self-taught from youtube um so I follow people, which I think have has been mentioned before. Uh, Leandro from the Educated Bar for Life. yeah,
0: I love that. And
1: Steve uh, the Bartender, but mainly in terms of just thinking about the intro of um, how to drink. Uh, Great, yep. because um, he's never worked in a bar like myself. He's never kind of had any kind of qualification, but as long as you like what you're drinking, then that's the important thing, and that's kind of how I've always done it. Like it, and I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but I know a lot of people that would really like the drinks that I make, but a lot of people that wouldn't like the drinks that I make because they're either too sweet. It's very personal. Cocktails and mixology, and especially when you're doing it as a passion, not necessarily in a bar, it's all very specific to you. And, yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) No, I I absolutely agree with that. And I think that you actually bring up a really good point because I think that... I believe it was Landro from Educated Barfly. I think I watched an episode he did where he made um, an Alabama slammer, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. which is I, I think most people would agree is a horrible yeah. drink. Um, but he yeah. prefaced it with the idea that he's like, as a bartender, you're notoriously gonna have to make a drink for someone that you don't want to have to make. Yeah, exactly. But you're also, you know, I've certainly never ordered a drink at a bar and had the bartender just refuse unless they simply didn't have the ingredients or something. Um, So you wouldn't be a great bartender if you just refused. But I think the beauty of being someone like you or someone like me or someone like Greg from How to Drink is that, like, we never, apart from making drinks for our loved ones and housemates, boyfriends, girlfriends, people coming over for parties, we are never like making a drink for someone who's just like demanding it from us and you know we're making them this in exchange for money so it is it is kind of nice that like you like you said you really can just focus on what you like or what the person you're making it for likes but that person is more likely to be you're you're more likely to know them better and know a bit more about their taste
1: yeah and I think before obviously lockdown hit everything I'd see friends and we'd come around and they'd make some drinks and that sort of thing and and they would always question, oh, you should be a bartender. This is a really good drink. But then my my response to that is always no. It's a hobby, not a job. And I'd, I'd rather not combine the two. I know it might sound weird to a lot of people because they might think, oh, if you're good at it, then go do it as a job and make some money from it. But I think it is. I think if it went to a bar and that sort of thing, I wouldn't like the pressure. Like I like to take my time and make it a bit more craft than, say, it would be in a bar or whatever something that can be worked on I guess
0: yeah definitely I mean whenever I go to bars I'm always absolutely blown away by the the speed with which bartenders have to work at um you know like I yeah I, no, I think I, I'm, I'm I'm decent at making drinks but I certainly couldn't do it at that speed or for those volumes I think like well
1: I think uh, the the time when I've had to make the most drinks in a row was for a birthday of a Uh, relative and I think I made about nine drinks in the evening and I came away from that being like okay if I needed proof before I didn't want to be a bartender this is it right now (laughs) so I I, I mean I can see the appeal and I I really can but it's one of those things where I'd rather keep it between myself and my friends and anyone that just wants to come around and have a drink really like if it's just easy and casual and they're not going to worry about necessarily the quality of the drink then I, whereas in a bar, obviously you're paying for like a, a service, whereas I'm glad I'm
0: not
1: become a service. So, I
0: yeah, I I have to completely agree with that. So, getting a bit more into your drink taste, then is there? I know I know when we talked before we kind of planned recording the podcast that you just wanted to talk a bit more about drinking in general because I think like me, you probably like so many things you wouldn't want to just narrow it down to one drink. But is there? <laughs>
1: I, I think with I think with that it's kind of I could like I've I've almost been in this too for too much of a shorter time to kind of necessarily nail it <laughs> down. Which,
0: yeah.
1: Like I, yeah, I've been out quite a few times. Obviously, I mean I'm 21 now. <laughs> what would you expect? But um, it's I kind of don't necessarily. There's never it's never been a drink for me that I've thought, oh, I have to order that in a bar. That is. I, I think that is very movie, it, it ends up being more. I think I'm moving towards like an old-fashioned kind of drink, which isn't necessarily a surprise for a lot of people. But um, I don't know. I it's I I, I almost like a, too much of a variety of things for me to say, oh, yeah, just one.
0: Now, that's – so <clears throat> would you say – I mean, are there even any spirits that you tend to lean? More? Like are you more of a whiskey person than gin or <sighs> – is it no, is it just making... I, I'm
1: definitely I'm definitely more of a gin person
0: more of a gin um, person okay
1: I think gin is my go-to um I don't know why I don't even necessarily have a reason as such really like it's one of those things that I even from probably when I well when I first started drinking I would drink uh, cider I think that's probably mm-hmm. the way that a lot of people start their drinking kind of experience and they go on to cider and then they kind of move spirits and that sort of thing the older they get and I think especially when it comes to whiskey and again I'm quite new to whiskey as it is anyway I've had a couple of bottles here and there now so it's kind of worked my way into it but I've always just kind of stuck with gin and I think I've been very lucky in the position that my Instagram has put me to be able to try lots of different gins and work with lots of different companies in a sense of trying lots of craft gin so I think that's probably swung my decision really like it's kind of just been a thing of I guess the more of what you have, the more you like it. That kind of thing. Yeah,
0: I I agree, and I also think again back to something that Landra always says: in educated barfly. Gin is proprietary, so no two bottles of gin, um, no. you know, from two different gin makers are. So there's just there's so much that you can do with gin. Um, it's not it's not based on region. You know, it, there, it's it's all about what botanicals are used and all of that. So yeah, I, I agree that yeah. gin is. I'm- is a favorite of mine just because of how insanely broad it is
1: yeah and I I think I've been as I said a minute ago I've been very lucky to try lots of gins you don't necessarily find on the shelf like and that kind of obviously when you get to try new things and try brands you wouldn't necessarily know of before it kind of opens your eyes to such an array of different things whether that be like I don't want to name drop any, but there's one being uh, Off Piste. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but their gin is unlike any other gin I've ever tasted. And um, but not that's not necessary. That is a good thing. But then I've also got other ones and things. And like again, I always like going back to the old classics like Tanqueray and Tanqueray Ten, like I've got next to me now. But um, but like I think for me. It, one might, it might have been le- leaning over to like kind of darker spirits at a point. But then when you try different things and realize quite how versatile gin can be, it, it changes it, in your opinion, like quite a lot. And I think in cocktails as well, for me, it works. It's the most versatile spirit in cocktails. And a lot of people will probably argue with that and say, oh, yeah, vodka. But there's very little vodka cocktails, really, in comparison. Like,
0: think yeah.
1: you look at my, most of my account is, but there was the point where I was just gin after gin after gin just because it's what I like to drink like
0: <laughs> no and I but no I have to completely agree with you and it's i I've, I've you know kind of talked down on vodka plenty on this podcast already so it's no secret to anyone listening that I'm just not i, I vodka absolutely <laughs> has its time and place but I agree with you that I'd have no interest in yeah. doing like a much of like a vodka tasting or anything versus gin is just it's just right. exciting, and and I also think the thing about gin is that, you know, I have gins like you said that I I've liked to experiment because you know what gin you use in a martini it literally completely transforms the martini. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to to what vermouth you use, and so I have gins that I've enjoyed experimenting with in cocktails, but then there's also gins that I so for example, probably my favorite gin of all time, just on its own. Well, you know, when I say on its own, I mean like tonic is the Malfi Gin Rosa, um, that, yeah. that gin is absolutely incredible, but I would never put that in a cocktail. I'm, I'm sure you could make some sort of like summer spritz out of it that would be delicious. Yeah, no, but,
1: no, I would agree. Yeah. Um,
0: and actually the yeah, Malfi, I think, I think, again, the Malfi Blood Orange, I've tried putting that in a cocktail yeah. before and, and that was horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've recently actually, uh, managed to buy a bottle of the Malfi Blood Orange. Um, and I'd never had it before. I'd had the Malfi Rossa in a uh, in pub, and um, and it was um, and it was wonderful. And it's kind of one of those things you think, wow, okay, maybe I don't know. And, and I've just kind of always been a bit kind of I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say blank to Malfi, but I'd never really thought about buying it. Like, do you, you know what I mean? It's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. If you look at it on a shelf, you never you think, oh, that looks nice, but that twenty eight pounds or whatever. So, so I think. The blood orange is probably up there with my, probably my in my top few favourite flavour gins because, like, it it tastes of summer. If you if anyone's tried it, but it, it's the best thing to have on a hot summer's afternoon for the next couple of days, probably.
0: Yeah, I I completely concur. At the, and the, I mean, all of theirs that I I don't think that I've tried their just plain gin, but I've had the blood orange, the rosa, and the lemon. Oh. And they're all, like you said, just extremely refreshing on a summer day.
1: I haven't had the lemon one. And um, it's, as soon as I tried the um, orange one or the blood orange one, I kind of I was like, oh, how do I get this?
0: Because I know, I know.
1: Like, it kind of opens up a variety of things where it could be better or could be the same or I, I don't know. I think that's like the, the amazing thing with gin. If you, if you find a good brand, then what could the next one be like or if they do different flavors and a brand without wanting to name drop again is Trevison. I don't know if that's how you say it, but Trevison, Trevison from uh, Cornwall. And um, they do a um, London Dry Gin. They do a one called the Chauffeur's Reserve, um, which is their Navy strength gin. And they do a grapefruit and lychee. Um But then they also have a range of like flavored gin, it's like um, a, a passion fruit and blood orange, or rhubarb and apple. and I tried the uh, Chauffeur's Reserve because and I uh, got sent a small miniature of them and the best Navy sent I've had really? up until possibly um yeah. Murray Neatman recently. But it, it's one of those things where it's like if if a company gets one gin right, it almost leads you on to what could be next kind of thing. Yeah. For me at least. Because if if you want to if you find a new brand and that gin is incredible, the first thing and I think is, oh, what about the next one? And I know, I know that's probably a very weird way of thinking about it, but like I, I, I almost want to try everything. And obviously I know that's impossible, but it's one of those things where if one thing amazes me, would the other thing amaze me as well?
0: No, I, I, I've never really thought about it that way, but I think you're completely right. I think, I think it's also not to get super business marketing-y, you know, and it, it consumerist <laughs> with it, but I think it just has to do with trusting a brand. Um, for example, yeah. my boyfriend and I recently bought BrewDog's version of gin. Yeah. Cannot, oh, yeah. I cannot remember the name of, oh, Lone Wolf is what it's called. Is um, it the Cloudy Lemon? We just got their plain gin. Um, yeah. but I, the Cloudy Lemon keeps coming up on my Instagram and I definitely want to give it a try. But yeah, yeah it's just, it's, it's
1: just worth plain. I it, but it smells
0: yeah um we yes we we bought the lone wolf because we were just kind of we had finished yet another bottle of sip smith or something like that and we saw it in sainsbury's and we were like oh let's just give that and the, and the, the reason why we gave it a go is because we are huge fans of BrewDog beers and obviously having good beers doesn't necessarily translate to having good gin um whatsoever but just the fact that we trusted that brand and we know that they make quality drinks, we were willing to, you know, pay yeah, 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 22 yeah. quid or whatever and give it a try. And yes, yeah, so I, I totally agree. i never really thought about it that way, but I think that, like you said, if, if a certain brand or maker, you know, kind of catches your interest, then you're definitely more willing to try different flavors or different spirits from that same manufacturer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that, general rule of thumb for life really (laughs) you find something you like then surely if they do something else it'll be good as well that sort of thing
0: yeah definitely
1: So food and restaurants and that's
0: oh yeah absolutely with food i think that i think everyone would agree yeah so have have you recently maybe one that was on your instagram or not on your instagram have you made any cocktails that come up with any on your own that you've been like, oh my God, this is a work of art? Or something that's turned out really poorly, if you want to talk about that too. Um well
1: the thing, um <laughs> I don't necessarily think there's one that come out really poorly. there's ones that don't necessarily I I mean the thing is I, I when it comes to doing a cocktail and making one up, for example, I will spend a day prior, thinking, oh, will this work? So a lot of the time I try to iron out all the issues that could happen before it happens. But I think one thing that kind of has split my girlfriend and my opinions, and we do have very similar tastes on a lot of things, is the, um, my finding of butterfly pea syrup. Um, because it, it's really floral, and it, it changes colour when you add uh, citrus to it. Mm-hmm. Um and I really like that. But then she doesn't. So then when it comes to the whole reviewing of the cocktail, I'm like, oh it's really nice, but she's like, Is it really? <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of the I I it's it's one of those things where I kind of I kinda of have to overrule in that situation because she doesn't like floral flavours generally. So it's kind of I don't know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it really goes terribly wrong. I just say there's times when it goes better, but I would never say there's one necessarily that it goes horrendously. Like a, it's almost a bit like I've done it too many times now, without wanting to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I've done it too many times for it to go wrong, if that makes sense, because you know, bit going back to what I said earlier, if I follow that bass that I would normally do, it should be fine.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what like. I was gonna say. If you if you follow the, those basic specs, you can't go too far wrong. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And I like I agree with what you Am said about your. Of... your <clears throat> I agree with what you said about your girlfriend because, like for example, I absolutely hate watermelon. So you could make me, the mm-hmm. most amazing Midori drink ever that anyone in their right mind oh, would I think is Midori. delicious, and I and I would just think it's horrible. And 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 yeah, that it's just Midori. because I don't like that flavor.
1: Midori is one of my favourite liqueurs like <laughs> as a guilty pleasure kind of liqueur It, it, I don't know. It's, it might be to do with the, it might be completely branding wise. And it's green, and you make nice coloured drinks with it, and that might be part of it. But just in terms of the flavour, and one of my favourite drinks that I don't make enough really for myself just to drink when I'm drinking rather than doing photos is the Midori sour,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's completely Midori, and so you'd hate it. But <laughs> like again, that's kind of where. The certain things with my girlfriend, and everyone has a different palate, and everyone tastes things differently. So if they, if you like something, then I might not, or vice versa. Like, and I think that is something. Midori again is obviously a very splitter, I think, with a lot of people. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. So is there is there a drink that if someone came to you, if one of your friends came to you, and they were just like, I. Have never really liked cocktails. Like, could you make me something? What would you? I'm I'm putting you on the spot a bit, so don't worry um, if you can't think of something, But what, like, <laughs> right. what, what, what would you make for someone that historically is not all that fussed with cocktails?
1: Oh, um, well, it's kind of links, but um, the the cocktail I make for people if they say they don't like gin is a bramble because you've got the citrus from the uh, citrus from the lemon and then you've got the sugar and you've got the nice berry flavours of the creme de mure and you can maybe muddle Mm -hmm. in some berries into it as well so it doesn't hide the gin but it almost gives the gin a back seat so i'd probably say a bramble as a general thing because it almost doesn't taste like a cocktail if that makes sense it tastes more of a pleasant kind of afternoon drink rather than uh, something that's got a shed a load of spirits and everything thrown into it it's a very subtle and quite diverse drink for people that don't drink I think or just don't drink gin or cocktails generally
0: yeah and I think a bram I mean to be fair most gin drinks are very much day to night but I think a bramble is a part like I you know I, I definitely think I have had a bramble like in the middle of a summer's day before but it's also a very nice evening drink as well so yeah I think that that's a very good yeah solution.
1: I, I think it's I think it's definitely a very versatile one as well. And if I put my oh, how could I change this head on? There's probably many ways. Like to be honest, even as I said, the gin does take a back foot, but it takes a back foot, but still kind of interchangeable with other ones. Like um, recent, I think I actually have done two photos of Bramble on my account because I did one of them with um, Blackberry gin, which is from Beefeater, um, mm-hmm. and then I did one with just the regular than dry gin so then it changed the drink massively like it I think it's almost if someone says they don't like a bramble you can change it enough so it tastes like something else but then still technically a
0: bramble yeah no definitely so is there I mean one one of the things that I have found the most interesting about myself since I've gotten into cocktail making is how it's changed the experience for me when I've been out. Now, obviously, um, you know, we've all been stuck inside for lockdown, which is part of why I got into cocktail making in the first place. But, um, you know, for you, like, is there, is there anything that you find, I, I guess what we can go both ways, like, is there anything that you find particularly frustrating about going out for drinks? when you're kind of a drink enthusiast yourself? And is there anything that you particularly enjoy about going out for drinks? Perhaps, you know, like not making them, like having someone else make it for you something that you just find to be quite um, quite nice about going out for drinks.
1: Yeah, the thing that grinds my gears about going out now, and this might be a very young person thing to say, but uh, it's weatherspoon and Wetherspoon's cocktails. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I can't
1: even really call those I, cocktails to be honest. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, it, it's one that, let because see, again, my age group, I'm 21, so a lot of my friends are, and I'm at the higher kind of point of being 21, so a lot of my friends are kind of between 19 and 21 to my size kind of age. Um, And obviously, with when being a student, you want to go to so get some cheap cheap drinks so you can get drunk. That annoys me as well. I'm not the biggest fan of that. I, I like doing it, but like, i'd much rather go sit in a cocktail um
0: yeah and then
1: you look at a menu for weatherspoon say and it says this is a porn martini but it's got regular vodka i this is i'm not reading this just this to the guest but pineapple juice and that's pretty much it
0: yeah
1: <laughs> maybe a bit of lemon or probably not even any citrus and then i don't know really i, I again i can't we're not reading it off anything, but the way that they kind of sell them as, say, a porn star martini or, I don't know, I don't really know what they do. I don't have a look at them, but it's not a cocktail. <laughs> like, like, it's a mixed no, drink that to uh, get people drunk.
0: No, I, I 100% agree. And I, here's the thing. I actually don't have anything against Weatherspoons. Um, no, need to
1: lie. I think in certain situations, it's very good because.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I love like I love curry night and stuff like that, but that I, I actually I go to Weatherstones to have a gin and tonic or a beer. Um, yeah, exactly. And and food like I just I yeah I, I certainly wouldn't bother ordering their cocktails and yeah I I completely agree with you it, it almost in a this makes me sound so pretentious um, but it almost makes me Don't wish
1: worry. sometimes. <laughs>
0: It it um it almost makes me wish sometimes that cocktails were kind of could have like a protected designation in the same way that yeah, wine yeah like do. a
1: copyrighted thing almost
0: yeah because so perfect example uh, yeah. my boyfriend and I went to Greece the last week um and really? you know it it feels outrageous to complain about anything because we were so lucky to be able to go on a holiday while, you know, most people are still stuck at home inside, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, one of the, so, you know, whole, something that will be a whole separate podcast is, is how amazing the wine was in Greece. But one thing that I noticed is that, you know, I felt like I, so I'm not sure where in the UK you live, but I, I live in London, um, and, You know, I've always known that the drinking scene here at cocktails in particular is is excellent. But I think I didn't quite appreciate it as much because I think what I found after visiting Greece is that in London, if somewhere isn't, you know, if they don't specialize in cocktails, a lot of times, especially with pubs and stuff, they just won't they just won't have them on the menu. Um, You know, apart from, like you said, like Weatherspoons with with those horrible porn star martinis. But (laughs) um a lot of times you know like they're the local pub near where I worked before we all started working from home they just had a sign that was just like you know mixed drinks only like we don't do cocktails so don't try to go order a Manhattan or something um whereas in Greece yeah. like basically every restaurant and bar has a cocktail menu no matter how like dodgy that place yeah. might look or how nice and when you first arrive in Greece like on your you know when you go for that like token first drink of holiday like oh my god like there's Espresso Martins but there's Mai Tais on here. Like, oh my God, I'm, you know, a Mai tai is one yeah. of my all-time favorite drinks. And you order it, and then you know, the first Mai Tai that I ordered in Greece came back like absolutely bright red, and I was just like, right, well, there's nothing red in a Mai oh. Tai. Um, so I yeah. was like, in in the best case scenario, they <laughs> put would... grenadine in this for some reason. In the worst case, this is some horrible like syrup that they've, you know, pre-made. Yeah, what, um, what would... I, I honestly, it was so chemically and sugary. Like I, I couldn't even tell you. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and then, but then I just kind of thought, okay, like this is just a place for like it, the exact sort of cocktail that you would expect in Weatherspoons. But then we would go into bars and the bars yeah. themselves would even seem a bit nicer. And they, we went to one that had a Mai Tai on the menu and it listed all of the ingredients of a Mai Tai and they were the correct ingredients. It was Two different types of rum it was lime juice it was orjot syrup it you know it was exactly what i put in my my time to... if... yeah exactly yeah you can so find
1: if the place is nice then they'll state what's in it rather than if it's not then they'll probably just oh yeah it's got rum in it <laughs> Exa- like
0: <laughs> it's exactly. almost a bit like
1: they'll skim over certain things like um, i don't know and yeah, it goes back to the porn star martinis and cocktails at weather because it's a bit like not a cocktail. Well, it is a cocktail, but not and what the it's worst to thing, be. yeah, it's not what it's meant to be. And and this is almost going to be worse. probably go against everything I've just said. But the cocktails at Weatherspoon's aren't that bad because they only taste like juice. Yeah, like it 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 doesn't taste like the cocktail, but it tastes okay because it's alcoholic juice at that point. So it's a bit like. I don't know, yeah. it, don't call it a cocktail, call it, if if they called it a mixed drink, I wouldn't have a problem, but like it, it upsets me a little bit when people go, oh yeah, i want going to order a cocktail at Wetherspoons, I'm like, I'm wasting a good opportunity to get a gin and tonic here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and Weatherspoon's actually has some really decent gin as well. Um, so yeah, it, that's yeah. something I was
1: shocked by, because I have been, luckily been able to go um, yesterday when this was recorded, but I don't know when otherwise, and it's the first time I've been since lockdown regulations were lifted. And I went in. I looked at the um, menu on my phone, and I went scroll down to the bottom of the gin menu, and I saw Slingsbury. I don't know if you've ever heard of Slingsbury.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Slingsbury Marmalade Gin, and that is a very niche kind of thing to find on the menu. Like yeah. you wouldn't expect something like that to be on a spoons menu if it. If you're also looking at, say, these points and things that are made of pineapple. Yeah. No, I,
0: I completely agree. So that's why I think. Anyone who's listening, if you're in the UK, no shame if you're going to Weatherstones. No one's judging you, but just don't order the cocktail.
1: No, oh, I, I respect it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: I, like I'm a student. I, I feel it would be silly if I didn't go to Weatherstones at some point in my student time. But, like, it, it's one of those things where you don't go to Weatherstones for a cocktail.
0: <laughs> no. No. So what, I mean, do you have in your head, have you had, like, a cocktail that just stands out to you that either you ordered yeah, or that else actually. made
1: for you. There is actually. Um my girlfriend's parents recently moved to Lincoln uh, in the UK. So I um we went out in Lincoln um, a couple of weeks ago again pretty much as soon as we were able to really. And um, and this might be slightly up based on the fact that I hadn't had a cocktail out, but this is the one that sticks in my head predominantly the reason I'm slightly pausing it is is I've taken a photo of the uh, recipe, so I can tell you what goes, isn't it is.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: are you a tequila drinker?
0: I am, yes, definitely. It's,
1: had, it's called the Patron Saint. Uh, it's got, um, I don't know if it's Patron, 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 patron or um, Patron Añejo, so aged, and then Mezcal, Cassis, Grand Marnier, Sweet and Sour Mix, and muddled dark berries and better bitters and again this could be because it was one of my first drinks out in a very long time but it was one of the smoothest tequila drinks i've ever had in my life so and, and you, i tend to find with tequila drinks they're very sharp and quite strong and yeah. i love tequila drinks rita's obviously being one of my favorite palomas as well but this drink because it was so different and so kind of like i'd never thought to put berries and cassis and stuff with tequila
0: yeah and I, uh, I, I've
1: never owned a mezcal so I never actually had, mez- had mezcal until that point and it, like it's one of those drinks where you take a sip and it blows you away like and funnily um, enough I actually
0: it. had a really similar experience recently um I feel like I'm gonna I, again I took a photo of the um ingredients because it was the same thing and blew me away I feel like you're gonna you're gonna like these ingredients but it, it's a Mexican restaurant in the um, neighborhood in London that I live in called 1910. And total side note, they do amazing authentic Mexican food, which is very hard to come by in the UK, in my opinion. I'm obviously American, and we just have much better Mexican food. Um,
1: No, that's not. Yeah,
0: but
1: um, I've only ever been out for Mexican food once, and that's that's quite a rare thing I can imagine in America. Or
0: yeah, exactly. What I've Exactly. So I got this drink. It's called the Mucho Gusto, and it has mezcal, Hendrix gin, muddled cucumber, rosemary, jalapenos, ancho Reyes, which I remember googling, and I think it's like a, um, it's a chili syrup, um, yeah, mandarin yeah. soda, agave syrup, and fresh lime juice. And very, very similar to your story. It just absolutely blew me away. It was so tasty. I
1: mezcal with uh gin i know. To... the thing is i keep trying to persuade myself no you don't need a bottle of mezcal it's very expensive but then i, then I hear stories like that and i'm a bit like Ooh. <laughs> because i don't know it's one of those things where it's i've never had it really oh i've had it once in that bar but okay like, it's always been one of those things where i thought okay tequila's cheaper i can get tequila a decent tequila for like half the price of what a mezcal because it's crazy expensive to get I think because it's mainly Mexican drank so it's yeah. very rare you never see it in shops you never see it Well, you see it on some websites but then you have the thing is it costs say 40 to 50 pounds a bottle and then it's a five pound extra shipping and it's a bit like can I really justify spending close to 50 60 pounds on a bottle of mezcal, which I might not even like or not be able to do with that well, much. Well,
0: that's yeah, that that's a huge part of the problem in that because I, when we were in lockdown, um, I was basically buying myself a new bottle of something every week. It was just like my way of keeping. My, I, I was not finishing a bottle of something every week, but I was, you know, by, yeah. add, adding to my collection. And
1: well, yeah, um, I, I had that issue.
0: Yeah, and I, but I just like I made the promise to myself, I'm not. I, I wouldn't invest in something that I wasn't sure. I, I'd get a new brand of something, but I certainly wouldn't buy a type of spirit that I'd never even tried before yeah. because I was like, you never know. Um, and then it could just end up collecting dust. I, th-
1: I, think another, I think another thing that kind of put me off here as well is my girlfriend, again, who, as I said, I live with, I, I don't, doesn't like tequila. So it's one of those things that if I was to buy a bottle of Mezcal, which is pretty much just a smokier, without wanting to offend anyone that knows a lot about it, but is a smokier tequila base, really. Because um, it's still got the agave kind of taste, but it's got the smokiness of other things. And I'm going to be honest, not really very clued up on what goes in mezcal. But um, I, I just, I, I'd probably have it make a couple of drinks that I really like every so often, and then think I've wasted 60 quid. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Or it would just uh, become like a huge obligation, like oh, I better make another drink of yeah. mezcal.
1: Well, if you yeah, if you look at my account, and never see six mezcal photos in a row then you know what i've done
0: <laughs> <laughs> i will i will watch out for oh. that so getting uh, we, getting back to um, your instagram point. getting back to your instagram account um yeah. is there you know what is your and if you like no worries if you haven't really thought about this up to this point but do, do you have any sort of like vision where you want to go with it like are you are you happy where it is now would you love to keep growing the account is there anything else that you would like to do in the cocktail making space
1: i mean i've kind of i mean i say i i know i said at the start i didn't really want have anything that i wanted to achieve but i've achieved more than i could have wanted at the start like i have two thousand two hundred followers or something along with those signs and then i've met a lot of people like i'm I have had conversations with people like Leandro from the Educated Welfare, as I said, and uh, Greg from how to drink and that sort of thing. And not that that was my goal, but like, that, that's a nice little thing to have on the side and then Steve, the bartender as well. So, uh, and then I've got a lot of people that I've spoken to as a result, just, I don't know, it's become part, it's kind of become part of a group and part of a community and that sort of thing. And that is something I didn't expect. I think it's one of those things where I can only keep doing what I'm doing and kind of where that goes is up to whatever happens really. Like I know it's a very vague answer, but like I never planned for any of this to happen. So I'm not really sure what will happen. Like,
0: Yeah, no, that's, and I, I think a lot of the best things in life, that's how they work out though. You know, you just, we just don't necessarily plan for them to work out that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, it might take a little bit of a change in September, so in a month or so, time, because we, my girlfriend and I are moving out to York um, into our studio flat. And obviously that will mean my background will probably change, and I'll, I'm also studying a degree at the same time at the moment as well, so it's kind of it's a balancing act of, I probably won't be able to post three times a week. Two times a week probably will be more accurate to that. But I don't know. I think, as I said, I don't want to put too much pressure on certain things to happen because I have had weeks where I've lost, say, 10, 15 followers in a week, but then I've also had followers uh, weeks when I've gained. I think I had my best day was when I was doing a giveaway, so I was surprised I gained followers, but I gained um, about 150 followers in two days. Wow. And it's things like that. It's a bit like it's so kind of And without wanting any hate to Instagram, because obviously it is kind of what's been made me very lucky and being the position I'm in. Instagram, in terms of growing an account, is terrible. Like, not maybe not from my point now because I kind of just knock along because I get put in people's kind of suggested and that sort of thing. But from the start, it's terrible. Like, I think this might go a bit deep, and not necessarily what you want were totally thinking we were going to talk about but like it's one of those things where when i was growing my account i got very lucky as i said i gained a lot of followers in a lot of time but within that time i've also been banned for a week twice um because and i've looked it up if you gain a certain amount of followers in a day when you've got only got i think i don't know necessarily what it was originally but i was on about 250 followers i then had a really good day and gained like 25 followers and i was like wow look at that it's really good and i had a really good photo that did quite well the instagram's algorithm see that and think that's a, bot, You've
0: or that's a hacker. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah so it's-, it's, it's kind of given it's given me a slightly um I, I don't know really necessarily how to word it but it's kind of if i have a good day i'm always nervous because it's one of those things that if it happened again a week now is a lot more than Oh, I might lose two followers. Like, and again, it's not about followers, and it's never been about followers, and it's what it is. But it is a bit of a blow when you see a thing on your screen saying, "Oh yeah, you've been banned for a week for breaching our guidelines in terms of gaining followers." And I've never done that. Like, I'd be very—I well, mean, I'll say it'd be open, but I wouldn't do it in the first place. So, I've never done anything along those lines. But it's happened to the point twice now where I always question if I have a good day. Like it sounds like very a lot deeper than it is, but it's one of those things. I I
0: totally, I totally understand it. I, I um, you know, there, there's a influencer. Um, her account is in the fro. She's a really famous fashion blogger and and on Instagram. Um she's got deals with like insane fashion houses, like, you know, Chanel and Dior and stuff like that. And she did yeah, yeah. a video that I happened to watch a couple months ago that was about growing your following. And she said exactly what you've just said. She said that it is, it has become so impossible to gain a following on Instagram yeah. because of the algorithm.
1: Again, yeah.
0: Um, Again, I, I
1: don't, I don't want to start blaming the algorithm for things, but there's certain aspects now where it's a bit like I have to, and I, I've, never really said anything about it on my page or anything like that but in the time between now and or 2200 followers and zero followers i've been banned twice as a result of growing yeah, and which doing is well. quite
0: ridiculous <laughs> so it's, yeah and her her advice is yeah. she was like if you she's like the growth is actually happening on tiktok right now um and ironically, you know, like all you see yeah. in the news now is about how TikTok is about to be banned, um, at least in the U.S. Yeah. and God knows where else. So it yeah. is like, I personally, not that you came on this podcast to get life advice from me, but I personally think that you have a really good outlook and mentality just by having it be a passion project. And you're clearly giving it so much of your time and energy and effort and you care about it. But also, I you're not letting it you know dictate your life because as you said like you know a you have things coming up in your life with with school and with you know moving house and that might change your pictures and stuff like that but also like it you, you can't rely on it. look at that one day like a couple months ago before lockdown when Instagram was down for a day and all of those those influencers lost like loads of money just because Instagram was down for one yeah, day yeah, yeah. you know. It's not a position that you want to be in. Yeah, it's I think, crazy. I think you have a great balance in what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and obviously if it does get to the point where it starts bringing in revenue and that sort of thing, I mean, no one's going to say no realistically, but that's not the goal. The goal is to enjoy it and make sure that it doesn't get too much of a stress. Um, I, I think, as I said as well, with Instagram, it's kind of, again, without wanting to slate actual Instagram too much, I don't think they necessarily look after smaller creators and i I say creators very broadly because i I even wouldn't necessarily class myself as a creator i make cocktails and post them because i like cocktails like but it's i don't know it's it's a weird balance of trying to make sure that you're growing enough to sustain what you want but then also not growing enough so it shows a threat and like my advice to anyone if you have a good day or if you start having seeing that you're doing quite well in a day let's say if you do a giveaway or something or whatever Just go off Instagram. Don't touch it. Because if they can't see it active that you've been active on Instagram, but you've gained this many followers, it can't be you, if that makes sense. Like
0: Yeah.
1: If I if I ever start seeing a increased follower gain, which again tends to happen with you if you do something with a company and do giveaways or et cetera, but it it's just don't touch anything. Because as soon as you start oh, yeah, look at this, this is great, and then following people back, and it, it makes it look dodgy, and I'm waffling on about nothing, but
0: it, <laughs> no, it's, it's hard. It's, it's good it's
1: advice. Hard because it, it's one of these things that I'm, I kind of, it is really annoying, but then I don't want to necessarily be like, oh, yeah, Instagram like ruining this, because technically, obviously, I wouldn't necessarily have the following I have now if it wasn't for Instagram. So, it's a
0: double-edged it's sword, a, but a, I, a, I, I totally understand Yeah, that. it is. It, 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 it's a completely separate beast trying to promote a podcast on Instagram because at the end of the day, you know, like your, your photos are housed on Instagram. Like what the content you are offering is on Instagram. Whereas like for me, I'm asking people to kind of step out of the app and consume my content elsewhere. Um, And I think that makes it even more difficult to capture people's attention. So yeah, I, I totally understand.
1: Yeah. I know. I know this. This conversation meant to be about cocktails and alcohol, but it's where I'm at now, and it, it's something that I'm not quiet about because it was really annoying. Like, it, it's it did at a point. I think the second time I got banned, I for a, it's only banned for a week, so you can go on Instagram, you just can't like, follow, reply to comments. The only thing you really can do is look and refresh, and that's it. A message as well, but. I don't know. It's a very difficult one because you don't want to. I don't know. Again, I'm waffling and don't know really know what I'm saying. But it's... <laughs> uh, there were times where I looked at it and thought, do I really want to do this? Because it's not fun when something tells you that you've done something wrong when you clearly know that you haven't yourself.
0: So I've I've definitely felt that way when... I've just kind of like when I was doing my research about just what you need to even do to gain a following, and kind of like you said, like everyone says that you have to be consistent. You have to post at the same time on these days, and you know, make. And and also, it's difficult for me because, because of the fact that I am American and living in the UK, like I have pretty much equal followers in the in America and the UK. So, telling me that I need to post at a time that's like a a time of day that's suitable for everyone. Equal, yeah. It's kind of, you know, so it's just like, yeah, like, and, think, and I had the same thing as you when I was researching that. I was just like, is this even worth it? Like, I don't even feel like playing the yeah, game. I, I
1: think, I think when you come down to that as well, uh, I don't have a set time I post. I wish I did, but like, I've tried posting it at 6 p.m. UK, and I think I'll it all now, but I, I've tried posting it at like 6 p.m. UK and tried posting it at like two, and it, like, I see some difference. But like, not enough to say, oh yes, it's really good to post at this time. And I don't know if that's just because me or I don't know really anything. But I I don't for me personally unless I post like really early in the morning or really late at night see any difference.
0: Yeah. So if it's
1: between like one and seven p.m. Because the thing is, if you post at seven p.m., you get people overnight. You get the Americas and you get um, Australia and that sort of thing. Whereas if you post it like two, you get UK, uh, uh, predominantly. And I think that's kind of where, I, if I was to say at time or a position, I'd say for me it's probably two o'clock, three o'clock, yeah. because it's when people get on the phones, and it's especially when the schools are running and that sort of thing, people get off their phone and go on Instagram, have a look, down you know, that sort of thing. I've just got up now. I've got a thirty-one percent UK following and a fifteen percent US. That's
0: interesting. So it's
1: kind of like i don't know necessarily why that is but like um i don't know i, I kind of don't worry about it too much again i know it's, i've probably said that enough times this, but i don't think about it if i haven't got something ready by fall, Oh, look i'm posting later today like, yeah weird.
0: exactly no i think that's the right the right mentality to have so thank you so much again for joining it's been really nice chatting to you are there any parting words about cocktail making you've actually given loads of advice but is there any more advice that you would like to give about anyone who's looking to make some more cocktails
1: um enjoy it and enjoy it and if you like it what you're making keep doing it i love it that'll
0: be all i can that is good advice well thank you so much alex for joining on June and Barrett today. I really appreciate it. It was lovely chatting with you. I love following your Instagram. Look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Thank you,
1: say why. <laughs> <laughs> There's a nervous laugh there. A nervous laugh
0: of <laughs> um, and for all the listeners, you can find Alex at Cocktail Creation UK, all one word on Instagram. Like I said, his photos are top quality. Um, I actually need to, like, I I do read the recipes that you put on your posts. I'm not just, like, looking at the photos, but I actually need to just make some of your drinks one of these days because they do look fabulous. Um, and when I do, yeah, I'll if I was to let you know.
1: If I was to recommend one, the one I posted most recently, because that's the most similar to a Mai Tai.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Then I will save that down. Is this the is this Tutti Frutti?
1: Yeah. Okay. The one with aged ground Pasola orange juice. One, two, six, three, zero, like what.
0: I will be saving that down, perhaps making that this weekend. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I hope you have a good rest of your night and we'll have to chat again soon. All right, so thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in for another week of Gin and Bearet. It was a pleasure to have Alex on, and I'm glad that you guys got the chance to listen. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Gin and Bearet Show, on Twitter at Gin and Bearet Pod. Email me, and show at gmail.com, and the website is ginandbeartshow.com please, 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 if you liked this episode, if you're enjoying the new format of gin and beer, it first and foremost, follow Alex at cocktail creation, UK on Instagram, but also please like the show, like me on Instagram, like my photos, share the Instagram TV videos every Thursday, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple podcasts or Spotify, it just really helps get the word out and be able to create more episodes. So thanks again for listening. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll chat to you next week. (laughs) Okay. <laughs>